You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Locked On Indians. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis. I want to remind everyone, check out the Locked On MLB podcast with Sully. I've been on there a few times. Sully is a great dude. Check it out for yourself. Today's show, we're going to talk about the win. Uh, before we talk about the win today, let's do your daily dose of Jake Bowers. I, I haven't heard any negatives on this, and it amuses me, so I'm going to keep doing it. Goes one for three. Seattle sadly loses. They still win the series against the Mariners, so... Uh, Bowers in the two wins came up big and uh, helped the Indians out. The Indians managed to help themselves out tonight in a tight affair. It should not have been one, but it was. Uh, they end up trying to pull open the correct tabs. I have all of my data in front of me. Eight to seven. Uh, Savali, we expected him to be solid. It was one of his worst starts. Five innings, nine hits, five earned runs, two walks, two strikeouts, a home run. Uh, Sandlin comes in, gets a hold, has a hit batter, a walk, and two strikeouts. Brian Shaw, the ERA is starting to go a little north. He gives up two runs, only one earned. But that's multiple outings in a row for Shaw where he has given up uh, a run. So they have to bring in Karen Chalk and Class A in a tight affair. They both do their jobs, and the Indians managed to pull the win out for that one. Uh, in terms of Shaw, he pitched you know, the Wednesday game, gave up the two runs, one earned, had one earned run in the uh, Tuesday game, and then in the Monday game also gave up an earned run. So that's three straight outings with him giving up an earned run. He's not going to continue to be one of the best relievers in baseball. He was never that guy, even at his physical peak. So I think we're seeing some natural regression here, and I expect there'll be a little bit more. Uh, but not in ideal time, as this game got a lot closer than it ever should have been. Uh, Cesar Hernandez, another error. He won the gold glove last year. Remember that? He has not looked like the same guy defensively this year. Pass ball by Rene Rivera, already his third uh, he's got a lot of those. Defensively, this team is its not strong. And then, you know, they had four walks. I feel like that is the highest walk total I've seen in a long time. And a team where one of those four walks is Bobby Bradley, where that's not really a strength of his. He does have two strikeouts, one walk in this one. Rene Rivera, Bradley Zimmer, and Cesar Hernandez are the other players. Who reached base twice? Eddie Rosario, Jose Ramirez, and Cesar Hernandez. Harold Ramirez and Eddie uh, Rosario each had doubles, triple for Cesar, and a home run by Jose Ramirez, his 15th of the season. Offensively, you know, they got they ended up with eight runs on those uh, nine hits, four walks, one error. Uh, and there was three hit batters in this game. Rene Rivera and Cesar Hernandez were each hit batters. So Rene Rivera also reached base twice uh, for the Indians. So let's see if I can get the totals right now. Eight runs, nine hits, four walks, two hit batters, one error. So they had a decent amount. Baltimore, they only got uh, seven runs on their 12 hits, three walks, one hit batter, and one error. 12 hits is a lot uh, to only end up with seven runs. I know seven runs is also a lot, but that's not a huge amount uh, for a team that just had 12 hits. Uh, You know, the... 
center parts of their lineup. I don't know if I necessarily want to say the heart of their order, but they have some players performing well. We've talked about that in depth with them, and they continue to perform. They should not be as bad as they are. I understand the pitching is awful, and we've seen that very much in this series, but offensively, this is a team that should not be as bad as it is. Uh, it just, they shouldn't be. They should not be where they are. Like I said, pitching's one issue they've had. Um, I think Pittsburgh did a very smart thing, being just an awful team and taking risks on someone like, you know, former Indian Luis Oviedo, taking some high upside gambles with pitching and seeing if you can find anything. Baltimore should maybe consider that because, I mean, they they have outfielders for days. Anthony Santander, Santander was a pinch hitter in this one because, Austin Hayes is a former first-round pick, former like top three prospect in system. DJ Stewart has played relatively well for them this year. Cedric Mullins is going to make the all-star team in center field. And they caught up Ryan Mooncastle, who's a first base slash DH, and they already have Trey Mancini. Uh, again, makes them a natural trade target if the Indians want to add a outfielder with multiple years of control uh, because they're overloaded there. For the Indians in this one, uh, you know, nice to see Bradley Zimmer with the two hits and a walk. I don't think I meant, man, I'm just having an off day when it comes to who reached base twice in this one. Uh, Bradley Zimmer definitely needs to get one of the three stars. We don't always have a chance to shout him out, but when he reached base three times in the game, that's going to stand out for me. Uh, man, I would probably give it to Cesar Hernandez if uh, it was not for the error. Jose Ramirez with the 15th home run. I think he is an easy candidate for it. And... You know, pardon me, you know, it's like, which the pen arm would you consider? I think instead of that, we'll just give it to the bats in this one. Uh, and, you know, Cesar Hernandez had the costly error, but had a triple, a hit, uh, hit by pitch, and a walk. So we'll give it to him in this as well. We'll look past the, the negative occurrence. But the Indians win three in a row. They get by with, I mean, frankly, it's, it's rough starting pitching for that series, too, because while Quantrell and Mejia were fine, they were solid, they were still four-inning starters. When you have guys who are only going four innings, that just taxes your team and your pen. So for the entire series, they really didn't have a—there were no quality starts, and they swept them in spite of the fact that they had no quality starts for the entire series. They are now up to 37-28 if this is updated. A 569 win percentage, four and a half games out of first— Royals, remember when they were in first? They're now 30 and 37 to 448, 12 and a half games out. Uh, it's, I mean, the Indians are playing well. And yes, you should beat the Orioles, 100%. But they're facing this Orioles team with, uh, you know, shorthanded. I mean, there's no other way around it. This is a team that is shorthanded when it comes to their matchup. They just are down so many starters that they're having guys who can go out there and only start you know, pitch four games or four games, only go out and pitch four innings. It's not an ideal situation. Yes, they're lucky because they're facing the Orioles who have played poorly this year. But as I've talked about, this is an Orioles team that is not bad. Like this is an Orioles team that offensively is quite good. And it's not an easy task when you're doing what they have done pitching wise. Uh, Tomorrow, Eli Morgan gets his second start. Uh, Again, he's facing a pretty good lineup. A lot easier than Toronto's with Jorge Lopez. Friday, we have J.C. Mejia versus Chad Cool. 
and then Saturday and Sunday are both to be announced. Will Crow, JT Brubaker. You noticed Pittsburgh has changed, which is good, because I talked about yesterday that they were supposed to face Tyler Anderson and JD Brubaker, JT Brubaker, who were the two pitchers who have been good for the Pirates. Will Crow, like I mentioned, twice drafted by the Cleveland Indians, uh, is one of the guys they'll face. Chad Cool, they're okay. They look like back-end types, but it's much better to face them than Tyler Anderson just because of the overall quality. I had some weirdness with the mic. I'm trying some adjustments. I apologize if the sound has dramatically changed. Uh, let me know about the sound quality if there's an issue. Uh, it was coming in very faint. I was just looking at the levels as I'm speaking, looking up data. I don't always see it, so just let me know if there's an issue like that and I will ad address it in the show. I mentioned earlier in the week that you know, in a previous podcast, I had that from Nathan Kingsley, sent me the email. I had an additional email from him. Uh, Pat has been busy this week, so he's not hosting with me. As I'm sure you can tell, I, I didn't just keep him to the side for the whole first segment. But since we don't have Pat, I'm going to talk about Nathan's email. We'll come back and discuss that in the next part of our show. Decades of data show that investors that trade individual stocks underperform the market every year. In fact, only 1% of day traders beat the market. The odds are not in your favor if you're doing it alone. Team up with Wealthfront instead. Wealthfront can create a portfolio of globally diversified, low-cost index funds personalized just for you in minutes. No, manu no manual trades, no picking stocks, no watching the stock market every day. They automatically handle all the investing based on preferences you control. Wealthfront can even help lower the taxes you pay as you invest. For the average client, their tax loss harvesting can more than cover the low annual advisory fee of 2.5%. Best of all, it's automatic, and Wealthfront is trusted with over $20 billion of assets. And you can get your first $5,000 managed for free by going to wealthfront.com backslash locked on MLB. To get your first $5,000 managed for free for life, go to wealthfront.com backslash locked on MLB. That's W E A L T H F R O N T dot com slash locked on MLB to start growing your savings. Go to wealthfront.com backslash locked on MLB and get started today. So, I do like to make listeners part of the show. When I get comments on Twitter, I respond to them. When I get emails, I respond to them. Uh, so, pulling up uh, Nathan, who had emailed me. Uh, you know, he had talked about big trade targets, Kettle Marte. I, I was not sure if he'd be traded. I agree if uh, Arizona would consider trading him, he'd be an ideal ad. And we talked about that in the last podcast. I somehow uh, glossed over or completely missed him talking about Merrill Kelly. So Merrill Kelly is a player who I believe went over to uh, Japan to after kind of struggling in the big leagues, or maybe it was Korea. Uh, let me double check. No, it was Korea. He went to the KBO. He had been a Tampa Bay Rays draft pick, went up through their system. As a matter of fact, fun fact. So he was also, Merrill Kelly was also a Cleveland Indians draft pick in 2009. That's a few, well, okay. So I was covering that draft that year with the Indians, but I was more of a blogger. Like, uh, to, you know, 2007, I believe, was like the first draft class. That I didn't, I didn't cover that. But so, no, 2008 was the first one that I was very. I watched the 2007 draft on TV. That was the first one that was on TV. 2008, I was over on Indians Prospect Insider, as it was called. I was avidly watching everything that was going to happen with that. 2009, I kind of wrote a few pieces leading up to it. I believe that's like the first year I did a big board and I did mock drafts and I did that type of stuff. But I was not someone who paid enough attention to know, you know, that they drafted Merrill Kelly in the later rounds. It, it's an interesting late round draft for the Indians. You know, they gave some players some big money. 
you know, three figures didn't turn into much. But uh, just to mention going down the line here, it's like Merrill Kelly was a 22nd round pick. Uh, Chris Beck, who didn't sign, was a uh, 35th round pick. He would go on to pitch 17 games in the big leagues. I think he was a first round pick of the Dodgers a few years later. Uh, we'll we'll leave the best for last. Vidal Nuno is always the weird one to me because they did sign him in the 48th round, and he went on to pitch you know, quite a few games in the big leagues. It's saying 24 games here. No, 155 games. That's it, He had 24 games he batted in. 155 games in the big leagues. They let him go really quickly. I don't, I'll never know exactly what happened, but he became a useful lefty in the majors. And it was one of those guys that let go. Birch Smith is someone they drafted a few times. He would end up, he's pitched 85 games in the big leagues. And the, the stinker is, of course, in the 41st round. By the way, you know, the 41st round hasn't existed for a long time. Out of Keller, Texas, which is a really strong program, they took uh, Max Muncy. Yes, that Max Muncy. No, not, not to be confused with the shortstop from the California ranks this year. But yeah, they took uh, Max Muncy in the 41st round. Again, that's a place, and especially when he comes from a powerhouse, you see them draft guys late where they uh, they end up, how should I put it? You know, it's just a chance to talk to them. I did have to click on the player after him in the 42nd round, Jonathan Kutinis, who went to Firestone High School. How about that? Uh, because I noticed he's from Ohio Dominican. Uh, goes back to, well, he doesn't go back to Ohio Dominican. He ends up at Embry-Riddle, the, you know, mostly known for its piloting. I had a kid I went to high school with, I was friends with. Uh, shout out to Jack, if you ever listen. But yeah, he went to Embry-Riddle, I know, as a soccer player. But uh, it's interesting that this player from uh, Firestone High School, you know, a kid from Akron, gets taken the 42nd round by the Indians at Ohio Dominican, then goes to the New York Mets and is a 19th round pick the next year. Good on him. You know, made the right choice. Goes to Emory Riddle. Uh, short career. Three years in the minors with the Mets. Uh, numbers aren't great. I mean, he's still a day three pick. Let's be honest. I'm sorry. Uh, let's see. So he appears again with Toronto in 2013 after 2010 and 2011 with the Mets. Very short. You know, like nine innings, five innings. Uh, you know, hard to judge a guy on that. Not great control, but he did miss bats. So at least he had that going for him. But interesting. It's always, I mean, I'm I'm from Akron myself. So I, that was a fun little side note wormhole. Uh, this has all been a huge tangent from Nathan asking me about Merrill Kelly. So Merrill Kelly is, because he went over to Korea and came, ba- and came back, he signed a contract. So he's not like the typical guy where it's like, oh, he's played three years in the big leagues. And that means he's got three more years of team control. Uh, he has a team option for 2022, as I recall. That's a little over $5 million. He makes about 4 this year, which $5 million is not bad for a starter. He has missed bats, like uh, overall in three years in the big leagues, 50 starts, uh, 7.9 strikeouts per nine. Uh, his walk rate's been 2.6, so that's been low home run rate of 1.4. A lot of Indians pitchers are kind of in that range. This has been his least successful season by a pretty significant margin. Though his FIP is a 4-1-3, which is acceptable. If the Diamondbacks really are kind of in rough straits financially, he would be someone that I think is very easy to move on from. Uh, I don't think I mentioned his age. Uh, He's 32 years of age. He'll be 33 in October. 
kind of curious to go look and see how they view him on the trade value site in terms of just does he is he negative value there's a chance uh due to age and what he is no 5.3 medium value uh i guess I, why okay so why did i think maybe negative because he is an older player but at the same time uh, a team can walk away i did not see a buyout and if he's just a league average starter at a little more than five million that's a deal so i do understand you know my statement was kind of silly when i even admit to thinking about it now so he's he's a little costly um when we were talking about Tyler, Tyler Anderson is cheaper. Tyler Anderson is a pure rental. I would, I would not be opposed to adding Merrill Kelly. Again, you're getting a back end starter, but you're getting a guy who's got a relatively cheap contract who has looked like league average, league average ish pitcher. Uh, not as good this year, but honestly his FIP this year is lower than his FIP was uh, his first year in Arizona. It's not as good as it was a year ago. And he's always been home run prone. But again, the Indian starters in general are are that. Like It's not like the Indians are afraid of guys with home run rates over one. If I come down to their starting pitching staff, uh, Bieber's at 1.1, 1.3 for, for Savali, 1.4 for Plesak, 1.7 for McKenzie. Uh, Hench is 1.7. Just trying to see who else has you know, had multiple starts. Uh, he is at a zero, so you give it to him with that but the comparison with kelly i said his is high it's at 1.3 so yeah i mean i'd be depending on cost like i'd totally be up for adding a player who you do have some degree of cost control and they could have a a starter in there clicking between the tabs i'm sure it's everyone's favorite sound uh you know arizona is fascinating because they're just kind of a disaster now fun fact i didn't know this until i clicked on their baseball reference page who knows arizona's farm director now the teacher in me, you know, takes that moment, and also, and also, do you know who their manager is? Because uh, Troy Lavello is their manager, former Indians uh, manager, minor league manager, and their farm director is Josh Barfield. That, that Josh Barfield, as our call mate Mike uh, Hazen came up through the Indians. That was kind of where he started. He has stepped away from the team because of uh, health issues in his family. I wish everyone there the best. It is a terrible situation. But right now, you know, Arizona's having a rough year. Uh, they spent a lot of money. I go down and talk about their starting. If you look at who has had the most starts for them this year, Merrill, Car- Merrill Kelly is number one. Madison Bumgardner, 10-day DL. Luke Weaver, 60-day DL. Zach Allen, 10-day DL. Tyler Widner, 10-day DL. Taylor Clark, really liked when they drafted him a few years ago. who has been good out of their pen, 10-day DL. They are beat up. Uh, it's an unfortunate situation. The other kind of interesting player as I was looking at this was, you know, I know you asked about Merrill Kelly, Caleb Smith. Now, Caleb Smith is a guy who they got in the uh, Starling Marte deal. He was someone who stood out to me with him. Uh, Now, the rumor had been back in, hmm, trying to see what year it likely was. I feel like it probably was in 2018 that the Indians tried to acquire him. Uh, He had a 396 FIP. That year, 10 strikeouts per nine, 3.8 walks, 1.2 home run per nine, uh, 26 years of age, multiple years of control. This year, he's had uh, four starts, but 18 appearances out of the pen. Team controlled, uh, doesn't become arbitration eligible until this year. And you have him for 2021, 22, and 23. 
this might be the, the trade target, is Merrill Kelly is interesting, but Caleb Smith is someone we know the Indians had an interest in before. That came out at the uh, the deadline that they had tried to figure out a trade, and that was back when they had pitching. So now that uh, pitching is an issue, it just seems even more likely to be uh, something that they would look into or a player to consider there. What does his trade value look like if we go over to that website and pull it all up? Well, just Caleb Smith is listed at a point eight. So over a five for Merrill Kelly, a point eight for Caleb Smith. Again, he's mostly been a reliever this year. We know the Indians liked him in the past, and there's a reason why they liked him, and I think they would still continue to like him. Additionally, he is a left-handed pitcher, not the biggest guy at six foot. So you have that combination of a undersized lefty who I, we'll go over and see about his baseball savant to see what his other data shows with him. But again, I think that he makes maybe more sense than Merrill Kelly. He's going to be cheaper. He has more years of control. And we know there has been some interest there in the past. Now, he was, in my opinion, one of the cornerstones that they used to in that Starling Marte deal. At the same time, they went out and got him as a starter and turned him into a reliever. So they're, you don't do that on a guy you're super high on. Uh, yes, if the Indians get him, it's another guy you have to stretch out. So average eggs of velocity is not bad, but like expected slugging, walk percentage, fastball velocity is... This is what's interesting. So fastball velocity is very low, 23rd percentile, but his spin is the 86th percentile. His curve spin is the 74th percentile. His whiff is 65th. So a lot of things that are low, but he spins, and he can really spin, and we know that's something the Indians target. Now, we'd have to dig into the data and see, like, okay, so if I open this and look at more seasons, for instance, like that fastball, uh, has his spin rate changed over the years? Like, if I look at this here, and I look at it here, and I look at it here, no, it's been reliably consistent. You're looking at you know, within 100 RPMs. It's not something we're seeing a four or 500 jump. That's not really a concern with this guy. So yeah, I think, I know you emailed me about Merrill Kelly. My takeaway is Caleb Smith. Also, nice to see Josh Rojas finally getting a chance. Uh, if you missed him, he's a guy who, he's been Rule 5 eligible multiple times. He's performed really well in the minors. Where was the one year? Yeah, back in 2019, the last year in the minors, between he was in Houston uh, that year, and 332, 418, 606, 23 home runs, 57 walks to 70 strikeouts. Guy just kept hitting, never really got an extended look. Had 41 games in 2019. He came over uh, to Arizona. I can't remember if it was a trade or if they uh, exactly how it worked. I mean, I assume midseason has to be a trade. And then. In 2020, he really struggled, as many players did. And, you know, this year he's uh, 262, 333, 457. So I always like to see that story where a guy is now 27 years old and finally getting that opportunity and performing. So good on him. That was the other player I kind of looked at, the Diamondbacks. They're, they're not trading him, but he was interesting. So yeah, Diamondbacks. Kettle Marte would be great. Uh, Merrill Kelly, interesting. Caleb Smith might be the biggest name to watch there. And we'll be back in a moment to talk more Indians baseball. Let's go over to betonline.ag right now. Let's see what they, uh, if they, they may not even have a line for the Indians game tomorrow with kind of the change in the pitching staff. Sometimes that can throw things off. Remember when you go to betonline.ag, use the promo code locked on to get a 50% bonus on your first deposit. So as I predicted, they do not have a line for tomorrow's game. 
makes sense. It is one of those games where not everything was kind of out in the air right away. So you can't go there to check out the Indians game, but you could go there and look at the Cubs versus the Mets. How about the uh, Kyle Hendricks? I have to see how he's playing this year. Cubs have been playing well of late. Mets have Stroman on the mound, but the Cubs are getting a run and a half with Kyle Hendricks. Uh, if that's interesting to you, remember to go to Bet Online today. When you use that promo code Locked On, you get a fifty percent bonus. That is BetOnline.ag promo code promo code Locked On. And then let's talk about RockAuto.com. So RockAuto.com has been our sponsor for a while, and let's just go to their website right now. Let's go see what Rock. And it, you know, when you put it in, it's like it has. I go to Rock Auto. Uh, right now, Father's Day gift ideas. You can even send uh, e-gifts instantly. Save on engine oil. They're having you know, little ideas and stuff all around right now over at rockauto.com. Promotions and rebates. Do you want to go check that out? You can find you know, who is doing a rebate for you, who is doing a promotion. You click on that. You find your best deals, even better deals through that right now over at rockauto.com. You know, it, here's something. Engine filters. I feel like every time I get a oil change, uh, they want to sell me their engine filter. And that's something I could install. That is not that complicated. You take it out, you replace it. Why pay that extra fee? Plus, you're going to pay them for installation. Go over to rockauto.com. Engine, cabin filters, these are simpler things. And they have some right now currently on rebate. Go check that out for yourself. Go to rockauto.com. I'm going to buy my next engine filter from Rock Auto. You should check it out. Maybe do that for yourself. Remember when you go there and you do that, you want to say in the how'd you hear about us box, locked on. That lets them know we sent you. But it doesn't always have to be for the big things. It can be something simple like your engine filter. Go check out rockauto.com. Save yourself a mon- some money. Remember the how'd you hear about us box. You're going to say locked on. So just to continue with Nathan's email, he asked about Jake Fraley. Now, to be honest, uh, Jake Fraley was not my, I was not the biggest fan of his when he was a second round pick back in 2016 coming out of LSU. I just thought it was a very limited profile. At the same time, he has played very well in the minors. His minor league uh, OPS, you know, across all levels is an 842, 286, 362, 480. He's performed well consistently. and He's always kept his strikeouts low. Like a strikeout percentage throughout his minor league career was 18%. Uh, In the big leagues, it's 35%. (laughs) We'll see. He is a guy who you know, came up in 2019, 2020, and then 2021 this year. And he's he's been great in 20 games, 55 at-bats. 22 walks to 17 strikeouts. He's got four home runs. It's kind of amazing because this is the dude whose highest home run total uh, crossed a season, I believe, was, was 19. Well, he did have 19, but he was, never, he was always thought to have below average power. 19 isn't bad, so I guess I can't really knock him there, but... Uh, I mean, again, I, I don't know what the cost on a Fraley is. What is interesting with him, the way at least I always viewed him, is he's going to be a plus defender in center field. Uh, and with the Indians not having any center fielder worth anything in the upper minors, I guess it comes down to if you believe in Bradley Zimmer. Uh, your depend, your belief in Bradley Zimmer might make you think, uh, who needs uh, someone like, like Fraley? But if you're not sold on Zimmer, then someone like Fraley makes sense. And as Nathan points out in his email to me, let me make sure I can get the right tab open. Too many tabs, the bane of all of our existences. Uh, Just looking at that Seattle team. So Mitch Hanniger has been fantastic. 
Uh, Kyle Lewis just can't stay healthy. Taylor Tremel has had some opportunities. Jared Kalenic has gotten some opportunities. Julio Rodriguez is destroying the ball down in AAA. They've got a lot of outfielders. Could the Indians consider Fraley? Uh, again, I'm just kind of looking at what his... Uh, man, Drew Ellis, I'd forgotten about. Oh, I'm looking at... <laughs> not looking at... Uh, I'm still looking at the Diamondbacks, not the Mariners. What's Fraley viewed at in the uh, system here? Uh, 1.4. So, yeah. I mean, I if you can get him for a, a lesser piece... Basically, you'd have to... I mean, I have to see what what needs could fit with Seattle. And as he points out, you know, it's Jerry DePoto who's always looking for a trade. Fraley is 26. Uh, service time is under a year at this point in time for him. Good, very good defender. He's having himself a heck of uh, of a 2021 so far. Uh, 193 OPS plus after you know being someone who hit 150 in his first two chances in 2019 and 2020. Uh, you're getting him through, if you trade for Jake Fraley, you get him in 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, and 26. You're getting six years of team control. And he's been awesome. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd be willing to do it. It's only 20 games, 78 plate appearances, 55 at bats. Uh, should we go look at the dreaded bat? No, he is fast, so he's always had decent bat pips. 324 for a player with his speed is an awful uh, I know it's high. It can come down a bit. But what you do like is him being patient. And it is a situation where you, know, you can look at someone like Austin Nola a year ago where Seattle moved on from a player who was playing very well but had a short track record. Uh, it's always the danger. Like, okay, we're going to sell high. Uh, right now, the track record is low. You know, We think that he could be what he is doing we're going to sell high on his value versus this is what he will be. For instance, when they traded Austin Nola a year ago, he was hitting 306, 373, 531, 904 OPS. The year before that was Seattle, 269, 342, 454, 796 OPS. With San Diego, he has uh, it's not gone well. OPS of 705 and 699. Uh, he came back to earth. They paid a heavy cost to get him, and he came back to earth. But we know that... Uh, DePoto has no issues selling a hot bat and thinking, well, if that player aggresses, they have so many center fielders. He is not a bad prospect. This isn't an unexpected thing. This, he was a second round pick for a reason. He was a plus defender with plus speed and a chance for a league average bat was the hope that he could be a center fielder, a start. There was a chance. There were people who thought he'd be a starting center fielder. Should the Indians consider him? Yeah. I mean, I absolutely would if... I'm the Cleveland Indians. I think uh, I think Nate makes a really good call on this one. That with the way he's performing, and specifically with the Indians not having a ton of great center field options, I mean, I think that is exactly where you go look. Uh, you look at maybe like him, and if you could do a bigger deal, you know, I don't know if you want to necessarily look at Kendall Graveman, who since uh, they made the announcement uh, about foreign substances has uh, really struggled over the past uh, bit of time but maybe there's a world where i believe uh, uh yusuke or uc kikuchi is a free agent to be he's playing very well i mean justin dunn's pitched well i'd i'd love to pay a little bit more a lot more and get a justin dunn but i'm sure that dunn's value is 
only a 5.1 on this site. Yeah. Okay, so if you can get Justin Dunn and Jake Fraley, sign me up. Like, if I can get those two guys, uh, let me, like, I feel like the valuation here would be a Rokoyo get you both of those. And I'm sure people are like, why do you always want to trade him? It's because he's got a high valuation and they have infielders for days and he's got the highest value and he's going to be rule five eligible. Of course, the problem with this is you make this trade, you need to clear up a whole nother spot on your 40 man. But why can I not find him? Why am I struggling? Am I looking at that? Because I'm probably looking at the wrong team again, not clicking over. But yeah, I think if you get Fraley and Dunn, sign me up tomorrow. You know, both of those are guys with multiple years of control, young players. Uh, Dunn was a first round pick, uh, second round pick for uh, Fraley. Coey is at a 15.8, so he is even too much for that. Uh, like, we're looking more like at the Aaron Bracho range. So, or Bracco, no, Bracho. So, yeah, I would, uh, to grow on Nate's idea here, uh, Fraley and Dunn. Sign me up tomorrow for some kind of deal. You're getting both those guys for the long term. Worst case with Fraley is you're getting a fourth outfielder who can be a plus defender in center field and is a left-handed bat, could always hit against the fat part of the platoon. If you're out there going, well, you know, couldn't Daniel Johnson be the athletic outfielder on this team? Yeah, but they don't seem to have any inclination to want to use him. Uh, so uh, I would look into a, a Seattle trade. I, I think that... Again, I don't know if they're going to necessarily look to move Dunn, but that's interesting. Kikachu, Kikachu is a zero value. Uh, I know he's paid decently well, but he's finally pitching like the pitcher most of us thought he'd be when he came over. Uh, so there's some interesting players there. I would love to sit down and figure out a trade that makes sense with the Mariners. And again, as Nathan points out in the email, uh, they it's DePoto. He always wants to make a trade. We're going long here, but I want to thank everyone for listening. Remember to rate and review, download daily. You can find me on Twitter at JeffMLBDraft. I am working on the draft content. If you go to the website, you're going to notice it's a little bit of a disaster right now. But I do have a whole bunch of profiles and uh, listed, and it's all free. So you're getting what you pay for. But uh, I've been Jeff Ellis. This is Locked on Beans Podcast. For the next year, maybe two. Go Tribe.